episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 4, Episode 7, Deadly Dreams. The original air date for this episode was January 16th, 1989. It was directed by Les Landau. This was his first ever directing gig. Uh, and he went on to direct 46 episodes of Star Trek across yeah. the four newer series, uh, TNG, uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. I think he just did one Enterprise. Mm. But yeah, but I definitely I definitely recognize the name. Yeah. Um, and evidently there is no immediate relationship to Martin Landau, <laughs> even though they're spelled the same way. Um, it was written by Stephen Downing, who... The last writing that we had from him was the Horse Thief opening gambit for Thief of Budapest. Wow, that was a that was quite a while ago. A long time ago, um, and now we uh, we have him coming on as an episode writer this time. Uh, he has been the executive producer since the beginning of season three, and he will remain so through the end of the series. Um, so 116 episodes of the show, and he was also the EP on the Young MacGyver reboot that they did. Um, he will come back to write the two-part Legend of Holy Rose episode. Yeah. And the Colton's pilot. Um, sort Wait, of backdoor pilot. Yeah, which is, which is odd that he's writing this episode and not next week's. The next week's episode, <laughs> which actually introduces the Coltons. Um, he was also a, a producer on TJ Hooker and eventually would become a producer on the RoboCop TV series, hmm. which follows uh, from the fact that he was a former deputy chief of police in Los Angeles. And it factors into this episode a lot. And they, the uh, MacGyver Project website and Nick Sweeto had an interview with him. Mm-hmm. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, when we get to there. But I think just from watching the episode, it's impossible not to draw connections to Silence of the Lambs, which, yeah. as we said, wasn't a movie yet, but mm-hmm. was a book at least at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And it also, the direction seems like it was influenced by RoboCop at least mm-hmm. slightly. Was Manhunter out at this time? I believe it was. Yeah. Because Silence yeah. of the Lambs was 91. And this is eighty nine, so mm-hmm. I don't. I think there was a bigger gap than that between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's just interesting. Well, I mean, we should get into describing the episode. Oh, in yeah. Brief so, first. so this episode, OMG, this episode, I think this may have made it to my top five so far. Yeah, it's definitely I, my favorite from this season so far. Uh, in this episode, MacGyver works with the police to stop a loose serial killer who's being controlled and manipulated. By a psychological madman inside an insane asylum. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can't get any better than this. Yeah. I think in a lot of the forums, like, people were not especially fond of this one because they felt like it doesn't feel like a MacGyver episode. But that's what I love about it. I, I mean... I, I kind of like that, too. Yeah. It's so out of out of place, but so interesting. Yeah. Um, just the, the working with the police force... On some kind of crazy uh, breach machine. Yeah. For, but also the camera is like almost never on a tripod. It's like almost always handheld yeah. and moving around the room. And this feels like a, it feels like a movie or, or or some other kind of police drama that yeah. MacGyver just got involved in. Yeah, it feels like a, a low budget RoboCop ripoff mm-hmm. or something. But it's uh, it's just really fun and it's exciting the whole way through and um, and it's got really great performances from people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we start Just move into, into it? the specifics? Where do we start this episode? Uh, in this episode, we start outside of a drug dealer's house, right? Where uh, Pete and Mac are in a squad car with uh, Captain Walker, and, and Pete really shouldn't even be there. Yeah, Pete shouldn't. Mac, I understand why he's there, but Pete is, should be administering administratively. <laughs> yeah, he, he should be behind a desk tomorrow, finding out how this went. There's mm-hmm. no reason for him to be in the car tonight. Especially when he's confused by terms as simple as, oh, she's going in for the buy. Buy, yeah. It's like, the buy? Pete, Pete, be quiet. <laughs> just don't, just don't talk. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, a young woman pulls up in a, like, kind of like a roadster uh, to make a little, to make a buy for right. drugs at this uh, shady looking residence. Yeah. And uh, so as she leaves, I guess that was like just confirmation that there were drugs in the house. Right. Because maybe they were waiting for supply or something. I don't know. It was, they were waiting for something. Yeah. And, uh, and so once they see the woman leave, they decide to take the house. So they're going to, it's a, it's a total huge raid. There are lots of detectives and, and officers on the scene. 
and MacGyver and the Phoenix Foundation are there to demonstrate this uh, gate-smashing technology. Right. That Previously, they, I guess, only had tanks to do this work? Yeah. To knock down I, doors and I get guess. into buildings? I mean, I wouldn't... See, I, was, I guess we'll get into a little bit once we describe what the tank is. Right. I, I, I don't think it was so much to bash the door in as maybe to pull the door off. Sure. Yeah. Like, they just they hook it onto it and back it up yeah. and just yank the door off. But that, there's no way that that would take less time yeah, than what seemed, MacGyver's doing. Yeah. MacGyver has a device, and I guess there's some kind of metallic cutters, like, that you deploy remotely. Yeah. I can't tell if they're if they're electrically cutting it. Or but it, it only works on doors that have four hinges in the four corners of the door yeah. that are attached in the exact same position. Yeah, it, it's a very specific set of circumstances for these things to work. But MacIver moves in with an officer, and uh, they deploy it. I believe it's Detective Sweeney, yeah. uh, who's like going to be a major point of this episode. Right. Played by Gary Chalk, who we had as Tony Ellis in Thin Ice previously. Um, so MacGyver's device has four remote, I guess you would call them detonators, right? Uh, but they're they're cutters, and he puts puts them on the weak points of the door, and then he's got the uh, control unit, and he discharges it, but one of the units doesn't break. Right. Um, it, it it doesn't. Number three uh, is very stubborn. Yeah. So uh, they're forced to actually like pry the the remaining part of the door off, which gives the drug dealers time inside to start trying to dispose of the narcotics. Yeah. And uh, so they start moving in and just like, yeah, the police moves in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Cooper, who was in uh, the uh, yeah the episode. Hell the, Week. Hell Week. Right. Brenda and, Critchlow is the actress's name. She played, uh, I think, Hillary was her Yeah, name? yeah. She, she was one of the barricade contest finalists. She made the barricade where you had to open the door by playing sound through it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that would not work in this scenario. Right. But she comes running in with a battering ram. She kind of reminds me of uh, the... One of the in Police Academy, uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember uh, the character's name, but like the, it's because she's like the smaller character, yeah. and she's always like weak, weak talking until she gets into it, and then she's like fierce and ferocious. Yeah, yeah. So she comes running in with the battering ram. They break down the door, and then they just start taking down as many people as they can. But uh, one of the dealers manages to get the drugs into a toilet and flush it. Right. And another one throws it into a garbage disposal and starts trying to run the disposal. But he's, yeah, he's actually running the garbage disposal, which yeah. seems like that's not going to help you. That's just going to spread the drugs around. Yeah, it, it, like you should have just emptied the bag into the sink and ran yeah, the yeah. water. You would have had the same effect. It's powder. Yeah. Um, but uh, as they, uh, you know, so they, they try to get the drugs out of the toilet, but, you know, they, they're too late. It's already been flushed. However... Apparently, one of the police officers involved in this raid had the presence of mind to go into the basement mm-hmm. and come up underneath the bathroom and disconnect the drain plug yeah. from the toilet so that when they flushed it, it would come right down to him. Yeah. He's well, lucky, like, nobody was, like, taking a crap in this thing yeah, while the say, raid was happening. I was like, how, how, how many other things have come down that drain yeah. until this moment? And he's so pleased with himself when he comes out with the drugs. Yeah. Also, by the way, this is, these are very small amounts of drugs yeah. that they're after. Yeah, they're, if these are dealers, then they're bad dealers. They're more likely just users. Yeah, the the it's it's two little sandwich Ziploc baggies yeah. that are only like a tenth of the way full of yeah, powder. When, when that the, the prostitute that just came and bought some left, she took like a third of their product. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's no keys or anything like like in in stacks. There was more drugs in uh, the the. The Survivors episode. A lot more. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I mean, just in the scene, in the one bag that they took out. <laughs> yeah, Just yeah, that yeah. one bag was more drugs yeah. than are in this episode. I think you're talking was... about the mountain of drugs that they had <laughs> well, in the Well, yeah, obviously. There was <laughs> more drugs in that giant cave than there was in this tiny house. Uh, so... They come in, they, they, they get everyone, they get all the, everyone arrested, and they recover all the drugs because Murphy comes in, uh, who's like the female head of the task force. The name you might recognize from RoboCop. Right. And she just starts opening fire on the garbage disposal right. to stop it, rather than just turning it off. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like the same effect. Uh, and uh, so she's really upset because, one, the Phoenix Foundation and MacGyver cost her the time that it would take to breach the, the door with the tank. Right. And that's when she says she wants her tank back. What did she say, 32 seconds? Yeah, 32 seconds. Um, which, I don't know. There's no way that that took 32 seconds more than what they were going to do, because it only took about 32 seconds. Yeah. 
if that even. Maybe it didn't even take 32 seconds. No, like, it, you cost us 32 seconds, MacGyver. You, you, we would have done been done before you even got yeah. here. Uh, but the actress playing Lieutenant Murphy here is Kim Zimmer, and she's going to come back twice more as this character. Yeah, it's nice. It's a reoccurring character. Yeah. Cause, well, because also, like, the, the villain, as we'll get into soon, uh, is also reoccurring. Yeah. And she seems to be uh, channeling the Nancy Allen character from RoboCop a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, back at the station, Murphy is yelling at MacGyver about the technology, but how the Foundation is, is being forced bureaucratically to work with the police because people are upset that this tank is too violent, I guess. Yeah. It's it, not clear really what yeah, the problem is, it, but they show the tank. Yeah. They, they, they eventually show it in the garage. It's big, but it, it's, it's not as big as the one from like Die Hard. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a breech tank. It's instead of a gun barrel, it's got like a big, huge, uh, like piston battering ram on the yeah. front where a gun barrel would be. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you can't, you can't break down a wall with it, I don't think. Like, you could punch through the wall, but I don't think that tank would go through it. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, she wants it back, so that's what she wants to use. She doesn't like this new technology. She's upset with MacGyver. And from here, we go to uh, a mental institution. Like, we just cut straight to the state hospital at Alameda, where we get two new characters Eric Cross and Dr. Zito. Yeah, Dr. Zito, who uh, will come back for a future episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the episodes that uh, that Kim Zimmer comes back for is right. Murphy. Yes, spoiler alert. Uh, well, but, he never leaves his jail cell. That's true, that's episode. true. But that's what's so great. He yeah. does all of this stuff from the cell. Well, yeah. And Even Hannibal kinda, Lecter escapes. Yeah, it's true. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Dr. Zito is played by the great William Morgan Shepard. Right. Um, you've definitely seen him in stuff because. Most notably as Archibald Witwicky. Yes, in Transformers. in Transformers. Where he finds a frozen Megatron <laughs> who scans his glasses and starts the whole adventure. Yeah, he, he's been in all kinds of like science fiction and TV. Uh, he, and he it, actually appeared in Elephant Man with Anthony Hopkins. Mm hmm. Uh, if anyone's familiar with Sequest, there was a reoccurring hologram that uh, that uh, uh, Roy Scheider always talked to in his quarters. Yeah. Um, and like he was in the new Star Trek. He's in a ton of stuff. He's a very famous uh, character actor because he's got that deep British voice. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we find him kind of slowly counseling and talking to this other person who's right across from the cell. Uh, Eric Cross, who seems a little like he's like panting and sweating and like we're not sure what's going on. But he also has a very like weirdly like artificial look to him. I don't mm-hmm. know how to explain that really. He he looks like, like what an and if you if you thought someone was an android yeah. in disguise. Yeah, so that's what this guy looks like. Yeah. Um And he's played by Jeff Irvine, who we had very briefly as the pilot in GX1 who gets shot down like in the first 10 right. minutes of the episode. Who, whose face we barely see anyway. I mean, yeah, he's, it's covered with a mask. Yeah. And and he, he gets to say, like, tell my wife I love her or mm-hmm, something like that mm-hmm, before he ejects. And we see him hanging like a little on, bit. Yeah. yeah. And they'll reuse footage of him in the second Dr. Zito episode. Okay. Like just stock footage from this episode. Right. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he's being counseled by Dr. Zito who's telling him to stay calm and then he starts promising him all these things that like you'll live eternal, you know, you'll 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 transcend space and time. Yeah. And as you make your way to Valhalla, right? And I was like, oh my gosh! In the wake of Mad Max, yeah, this whole episode is is like uh, Viking Very, myth. Yeah, Fury Roadish. Yeah, and so like it's just like he's like he is awaited in Valhalla. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, it's super crazy already. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, in the interview. On uh, on the MacGyver project, uh, Stephen Downing goes into a little bit more of the inspiration for that, where like a lot of these like white supremacist guys in prison had like they believed in Valhalla and all really? this stuff like that. Yeah, there there was a, a weird percentage of them that were like into like Viking mythology and stuff like that, which kind of bled into the characters for this. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Um. So Zito tells him to go lay down because he's starting to like to lose consciousness, and. Uh, so Cross goes and lays down on his cot, and Zito starts calling for one of the orderlies. Right. And they see that, like, all of a sudden, he starts, like, convulsing. 
uh, cross that is starts convulsing and they and they take him out into an examination room because he's like having heart palpitations he's sweating he's not yeah. breathing uh but as soon as like they take him away and they start trying to treat him uh he comes to yeah and strangles one of the guards to death and when they show him in wide shots, he looks like he's kind of a little guy. Mm-hmm. But for this scene, he's lifting the guy like a foot right. off the ground. Yeah, to he, he's him super to death. strong, apparently. Um, and all we see is Zito back in his cell, and then the alarms start going off, and he's like smiling to yeah. himself because he already knows that exactly phase one of happened, his plan. Yeah. Uh, and from here, we cut back to MacGyver in the garage of the police station working on his doorbuster. Right. Which again doesn't work. Like Pete, Pete comes and starts like hassling about it a little bit. Again, that pesky number three is yeah. not exploding. And uh, and MacGyver gets so upset he like kicks the kicks like the the control unit that it's up sitting up on. And hurts and, his foot. Yeah, <laughs> and Pete's just kind of like, this is so much fun. Because uh, he, I wanted for him to go up to kick it, and then for the third one to explode. That w- that actually would have been cool. Yeah. Like like oh wait maybe I have figured he it out. And he's like ah god. <laughs> um, and yeah so while Pete's kind of like talking about how much he's enjoying working with the police and uh, kind of reminds him of his days at uh, the DXS. Yeah. Uh, Captain Walker comes up and says that he, they've got a new assignment for them. Yeah. And that's where we kind of come into the next part of the story of Act Two. I still wish that Dan Elkar had been like, oh, because the guy, <laughs> like, a guy like silently walks up behind Pete, yeah, and then he just starts talking all of a sudden, and and Pete doesn't even seem to respond to it that much, like mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, there's someone behind me now. Yeah, I think it would have been kind of funny if just he was just like, oh, what? <laughs> there's a the person yeah, right here. Yeah, because because Captain Walker sidles up behind him and doesn't interrupt the conversation. Yeah, he so, just starts starts a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actor that plays uh, Captain Frank Walker, who we mentioned, mm-hmm. is only one letter away from Frank Walker's name. Yeah, yeah. But he previously <laughs> appeared in uh, the spoilers episode. He was Martin Farber in that one. Farber. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that, that name is like the rural juror to Urban Ferber. <laughs> A little 30 Rock humor for everybody. I love those. All the fake movies in that <laughs> yeah. show. Um. So we cut to uh, back at the station. Uh, everyone's been called into the squad room. All, all divisions of this local police department. Homicide, uh, theft, uh, and uh, the drug. Robbery. The drug, the drug uh, narco squad. And they're all being ready to be briefed on Eric Cross's escape. Yeah. So Eric Cross, we find out, is a killer of prostitutes. Yeah. He, he I guess he calls these lines makes a date for himself and then kills them right except one of them got away and right. and she was the one who was able to testify and get him incarcerated i told you about the time that happened by our apartment, right? <laughs> that, that, that happened to you no by our apartment when we lived in northridge no what okay so you me and john had that apartment in northridge right right and it was like the middle of the night and then we heard a screaming, but it was like a college town, so you'd hear screaming all the time. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really think anything of it. And it was a, clearly a girl screaming, so I was like, I was like, hey, John, what are you screaming about in there? Like, <laughs> it's a dumb joke. And then he's like, what? And he took his headphones off, and then he realized there was a girl screaming, like, right outside. And do you remember the layout of that place? We were on the first floor, but his room had, like, a patio off yeah, the yeah, side. Yeah, 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 So he went out and turned on the lights, and there was a woman on the sidewalk getting pushed up against a van and a guy had zip tied her hands together behind her oh back my God. and she was screaming. And then she turned and looked at John because the light had come on. The guy realized that someone was watching him and he just ran around the van, got in it and drove off. She booked it for us and she fell over our, our, the wall onto the patio off of John's room we cut the zip ties off of her, and she was a call girl who had been called to an address that didn't exist between two addresses. Mm-hmm. So while she was trying to find it, this guy skidded up, threw her against the van, and zip tied her hands together. I'd never heard this story. Yeah, we were like, do you want us to call the police? And she was like, no, 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 It's I, I have a client near here, I'm going to call him, and he's going to come get me. We're like, are you you're sure you want to do that right mm-hmm. now? And she's like, yeah. And so she called the police, or she called this client, and then... She was like, all right, well, I'm going to go wait out there for the guy. And I was like, why would you want to go back out there right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. what if he came back? Like, so me and John just, like, stood out there with her, like, oh my gosh. Right, we're going to wait for this guy to come pick you up. 
And so, but it was like the weirdest thing. Yeah, but it I... just reminded me a lot of this guy's MO. Wow. That's a friggin' real moment here on the Phoenix Foundation. <laughs> but apparently, this guy got away with actually killing people multiple times. Right, and then right. This one last girl got away with it, so they're assuming she's going to be the first victim on right. his on his new kill list. We're talking about the show now again. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're back to back back to fiction. This show is a true episode, and it's based on my life. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So the Phoenix Foundation is involved because uh, they're assisting the police with profiling and uh, predict- predictable databasing. Like, I right. guess, like, what is this person most likely to do? Right. Um, part of the briefing, they also mentioned that uh, Cross's behavior has changed lately where he became much more calm and started reading and doing art. But also, unfortunately for them, Zito seems an expert in all of this, too. Yeah. So he knows exactly what they're going to suspect. Mm-hmm. And so he's able to sort of head them off at the past correct yeah zito zito has masterminded this whole thing as we'll see as a uh, this whole uh story starts to unfold yeah uh murphy doesn't want to be a part of this job she she doesn't want to have to go after a, a serial killer she said she doesn't want to do murder she was on homicide she has to be removed off of homicide for reasons that we don't yet know and Walker says there's nothing he can do about it, even right. though there definitely is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, You're you, the captain. You just take her off homicide. Yeah, you just you well you you put her on on leave. Yeah. Says, then then you know then go then you're sus- not suspended. She's but... obvious. She's exhibiting signs that she should be on leave anyway. She's yeah. Clearly freaking out. She's like she's PTSD. Like yeah, the, the, she's, she's having, having weird issues. like outbursts and and just shouting at people. Very emotional. And it's like she just needed some time off from mm-hmm. this thing. But the captain's like, nope. No, you're still, you're doing it. Do your job. Yeah. Um, Pete plans to head back to the foundation to work with the the information field teams while MacGyver is going to head to the hospital to, uh, to, to check out the cell. Right. Where Aircross the mental hospital from. slash prison where they've right. been staying. Um, meanwhile, uh, Cross enters an adult store. Uh, yeah. Like they call it an arcade, um, which, which would imply that they have live performances there. Not that I know what that means, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he does say when he came in that he was looking for one of their, right. their dancers. Yeah, he, he's looking for Candy Farrell, right. who's the one who got away. Right. And, uh, yeah, and the, the owner, uh, Mr. Fontaine, I believe his name is, he's he's telling him, ah, oh, you know, I haven't seen her in a while. She moves around. She comes in to say, hi, I can take your info and hand it off to her if right. she comes back. But Fontaine is completely aware of who this guy is. Yeah, like... He literally has that the story about him escaping from the mental hospital sitting in front of him for this whole right. conversation. Like he really should have covered it up or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so Cross gives him a, a number and like awkwardly leaves and then he's like smiles and laughs on his way out. Yeah, like a like... robot would. <laughs> now it is time for human emotion. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. Fontaine immediately calls the police and and is willing to cooperate in any yeah. way possible. Says this guy just came in here, and he left going this way. Mm-hmm. But the phone number is bogus. It's a, actually a different phone sex line. Yeah. And in the meantime, as a, a well, I guess that comes later. Sorry, according to my notes, it comes yeah. later. But but Cross is watching from afar. But right. we'll, we'll get yeah. we'll get in the back into that. Um, MacGyver arrives at the hospital to search the cell. And uh, at the same time, a phone call comes in for Dr. Zito from his lawyer. Yeah. And so while the nurse is letting MacGyver in, he gives the phone to Dr. Zito, which we find out then the lawyer is actually cross, pretending to be the lawyer. But it's kind of interesting, too, this scene, because it's playing out with Dr. Zito in the foreground, and he's obviously the character we're supposed to be paying attention to. But in the background, out of focus, we see MacGyver investigating Cross himself. Which is kind of interesting that he's in this scene, but he doesn't really play a part in it other than mm-hmm. background action uh yeah so cross is really impressed that zito was able to predict that the police would would send murphy out to right at, out to this specific location uh because just she's, like she's in the vice and homicides right and she knows the streets right and they know like people like in on the city streets the dealers the low lives you know like she's familiar with these people and all of the the predictions Dr. Zito made coming true is just evidence for Cross that he knows what he's talking about when it comes yeah. to Valhalla and all this Viking yep. garbage. So uh, we get a hint of what's to come in that uh, 
Cross is going to kill himself soon, and he's got everything, all this, this these preparations that are going to be ready yeah. uh, at a warehouse nearby. Uh, and of course, like he tells him that he's awaited in Valhalla. It's like, uh, right. it's so, <laughs> it's just like, I cannot help yeah. drawing the Fury Road com- just uh, comparison. Just want to have like a s- spray curl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, everything has to go down at midnight. Yeah. That's the plan. While MacGyver is kind of looking around the artwork that is in Zito's, uh, sorry, in Cross's cell across from Zito. Right. Uh, it's like, there's like a lot of Viking artwork, uh, you know, uh, funeral boats that are on fire. Books that he had checked out. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them has like a big tear in the uh, the, the plastic, plastic cover. Yeah. yeah. And so like MacGyver starts digging around the trash can and he finds the piece of plastic with the chemicals, which it, there's already a police tape up on the cell. And you think they would have taken things like the garbage and started searching it themselves. Yeah. But I, yeah, what is the point of the police line? Do not cross if they haven't even investigated this. Room? Yeah. But I guess that's why MacGyver is there. He's like, yeah. he is the, the professional, but it seems like all that stuff would have been taken in as evidence. Yeah. Catalog. And then MacGyver would investigate it. Yeah. Like it wouldn't, he wouldn't be the one touching everything with his fingerprints because he's not, he doesn't have any gloves on. Yeah. He, he's touching and he's, everything. And he's literally like touching the residue even that's, yeah. in, the, that's in the plastic. Uh, you know, but he does, he does verify that it's the same piece of plastic that was torn off of the back of the book. But that there's something in here that someone made a chemical or something. Mm-hmm. Like a chemical cocktail. Yeah. He, he adds a little water to it and he gets like the, a whiff of the vapors. Uh, a touch of the vapors. <laughs> I got the vapors. Uh he uh, he asked the uh, orderly to kind of like get some information, but Zito kind of like is kind of teasing MacGyver from afar. Yeah, like even uh, saying that he knows MacGyver's name, like he says, you know, Mister MacGyver. Um, also saying how intelligent Cross is, and you'll never catch him because he's so smart and he's so unbelievably clever. Yeah, obviously he's like the, he's like the opposite of Hannibal because he's like. Not trying to help at all. Yeah, with Buffalo Bill. He's just like he's like Buffalo Bill's such a genius. You'll never catch him, Clarice. Yeah. Basically, just like patting himself on the back. Yeah, but the, also the layout of this this wing of the of the hospital slash prison area looks exactly like the one that they kept Hannibal in in mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, oh, yeah. where there's like there's specifically a guard post room at the end of the hall that you have to come through and mm-hmm. you check in with those people before you're allowed into the area. And there's like six special case prisoners along the sides of a very narrow hallway. And, uh, I mean, and just Zito's whole demeanor. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and even like the, 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 the orderly, I believe his name is Charles, but he's very similar to the Barney orderly character. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's in Silence of the Lambs. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels, which is interesting. Yeah. Because again, the movie hadn't been filmed yet. Right. But as we know, the book the, the book, book was out, and the previous movie had come out. Mm-hmm. But the previous movie didn't have this jail cell area. I mean, he it had a cell that yeah, the, that Brian I mean, Cox was, was in. But, yeah, but it was definitely not the same layout as. This. Yeah, like and and even this cell layout is different. I mean, I mean, people who know Silence of the Lambs like that it's was all, like in it's a plastic like plexiglass. Yeah, window. And, but it's also like in a basement. Yeah. Like, this is just, like, this is it just... It almost a, looks like a dungeon. It's, like, right. stone walls and things. This is just, like, a very secure wing. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, cells behind cells, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so MacGyver asks Charles, the orderly, about who might have had a stopped-up drain or toilet. Yeah. And also, he wants a list and all copies of the books that have been checked out by everyone in that wing in the last week. Yeah. So... You can tell MacGyver's starting to piece something together. Yeah. So back at the station, MacGyver's trying to talk to Murphy about the case, but she gets super defensive. Yeah. Um, and like she, she gets all panicky and yeah. like on the verge of tears. Like at first she starts off nice. Yeah. Like she's like, oh, MacGyver, you know, hey, how's it going? She even says, you can call me Murphy. Yeah. Because he calls her ma'am all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as like she, he starts talking about the case, she just flips a switch and but then and, she kind of goes into the backstory here too about uh, that that comes in later oh okay but but you can tell that there's already something eating away at yeah. her yeah um, anytime people are talking about zito she's like rubbing a migraine out of her tongue yeah yeah it's 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 almost like like psychic like some kind of weird psychic connection yeah. almost 
Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if this episode, as crazy it is, if it went there. Yeah, because it seems like she's, like, just blocking out everything everyone is saying and touching mm-hmm. her head. It's re- repressed. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver starts looking at the evidence that was submitted from the hospital. So he notices Zito had a stopped-up drain that maintenance came in. and Multiple and unpl- times. Yeah. Um, and that the books that came out recently were all checked out by Zito, including one that had the tear in the plastic. Right. Uh, and so he's able to start putting together that he thinks that Zito had something to do with the escape. And so that was actually lazy of him to check out that book with the plastic. Cause wasn't the book in Cross's cell when MacGyver found it? Uh, no, Did it, uh, the tear it was no? a different book. Yeah. Oh, okay. he, MacGyver tears the book oh, right, right, to, right. to demonstrate. Okay. Um, but, uh, detective Sweeney who's there and he's on the phone with his wife we, we should mention that earlier on, Detective Sweeney mentions... Claims, at least, yeah, in, in the earlier drug bust, that he has 12 children. Yeah. He's like, I got 12 kids. I'm going home tonight. But the actor is 36, so for him to have 12 kids already is quite impressive. Yeah. He, he's very busy. He's, it doesn't sound like he's saying it like, don't shoot me, because it sounds like he already has this guy yeah. in front of his gun, so there's no reason for him to be lying about that. Um, and, and here we hear him on the phone with his wife. Like, she's obviously complaining that, that he's never home. Cause and he forgets his kids' ages and stuff yeah. like that. But he's got 12 <laughs> and he's 36. I forgive him. Um, but he tells MacGyver that if you're, if you're interested in Dr. Zito, you should talk to the person who brought him in. And that's Murphy. Yeah. So now we're kind of getting a, a hint on why Murphy is so obsessed and upset. That it's not just in general that she has a problem with dealing with homicide, but Mm -hmm. this specific person is the source of her troubles. And when MacGyver confronts her about it, this is when she has her flip out. Yeah. And it's extreme where, like, she's laughing and crying at the same time. Yeah. She needs to be taken off this case. Yeah. Like, this is everything that's going wrong. She needs to be put on, like, administrative leave or something. Because she is not handling, she's yeah. not keeping it together. She needs to get one of those paid vacations that you get when you like shoot an innocent person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oop, the she should have just vacation. run outside and shot somebody in the leg. <laughs> All I get, right, I get time off now. Yeah. So um, later on that evening, uh, Fontaine, the arcade manager, calls in the police and says he's got information on where Candy Farrell is, which is, again, the prostitute that got yeah. away. The um, one that got away. <laughs> the hell, the hell. There's always one. Uh, she's at a warehouse shooting a porno. and right. Which I was actually surprised that they said porno. Yeah. Um, like, I thought they would just say an adult film or something. Like, to, to flat out say, well, yeah, this is sex Well, film. they're trying to make it clear that these are vice people who deal with this every day. Right, right. But that's why this episode seems so adult. Like, it doesn't seem like... MacGyver's usually like... I don't want to say family friendly all the time. Yeah. But it's certainly, I mean, I watched it with my family. Yeah, yeah. This episode would, would maybe have my family not want it, watch it with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this episode is about to get crazy. Especially when they go to the, the adult store that has all the stuff. There's like topless women painted on the windows and stuff uh-huh. like that. Well, or even, like women with just tassels on or something. Yeah, or even when um, one of the other detectives at the station posts a pinup girl. Yeah. And, like, Murphy's all, why don't you find me a half-naked picture of Mel Gibson? Oh, <laughs> and Speaking of Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, and, and crazy people. <laughs> and crazy people, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we see Fontaine then, uh, as he delivers a message, is actually doing it under duress. Uh, yeah. uh, Cross is there with a knife to his throat. A it's big, not just a knife. It's, it's like, like a, a machete. Sword. Yeah, it's like it's huge. <laughs> And, and we don't know what but becomes of Fontaine. Yeah. We can assume he's dead. Yeah. Because there's no reason to leave him because alive at this point. Because turned into a Fontaine right after that. <laughs> a Fontaine of blood? A Fontaine of blood. That's it. You figured out what I was mispronouncing. <laughs> so, Mac heads back to Zito to start confronting him about what he knows about the escape. Yeah. And he, he's basically demonstrating everything... That Zito had planned, like the chemicals, how we got the chemicals to him, uh, including across the cell by way of like a toilet paper. Yeah, he takes train. a toilet paper roll, he sets it on the ground, and he flicks it across the hall mm-hmm. so that just the end of the toilet paper is on his side, and then he makes like a boat 
out of the toilet paper and puts the plastic cup of chemical in mm -hmm. there. And then Zito is able to safely pull it across, and then he drinks it and has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> yeah. <No>. The end. <laughs> That's not what happens. But it could have. But, but Zito is impressed that MacGyver so far is pieced the stuff together <laughs> but my wife was saying when we were watching it she said that she thought it would have been really funny and i totally agree if dr zito had pulled the stuff over to his side of the cell and was just like oh my god this would have been so much easier <laughs> why didn't we do it this way i'm not even gonna bother you with how we did it <laughs> thank you macgyver for showing me how to do it next time it's gonna be so much easier <laughs> oh man didn't walk right for a while this took what? months uh, Andy Dufresne like to dump his you know. well that's the thing like they're not in these cells 24 hours a day they have to have like shower time or like yard time Like, but I imagine they do it individually they maybe. Don't, yeah, like, I don't know how this particular prison works and they do seem to be sp special case prisoners so yeah. it's a semi-solitary confinement situation so uh, Sweeney and Murphy uh, again Sweeney's the cop with 12 kids right Bringing that up again. Uh, twelve, count them. Twelve and a wife. Uh, they arrive. One of them's four, <laughs> but when you have twelve kids, one of them's always going to be four. <laughs> uh, they arrive at the warehouse where supposedly Candy is shooting her adult film. Um, it immediately seems suspicious because as soon as they get there, there's a like a large metal security door yeah. blocking the way. Yeah. And uh, Sweeney says, I'll go in first. He pushes the door open with no effort. And as soon as he steps into the door frame, Cross swings a Viking-style axe into his chest. Yeah, but he doesn't even leave it there. It's like he taps him with it and pulls the axe back. But you still see like that there's like There's blood. a giant slash of blood across yeah. his chest. And, and then he proceeds to fall down like two flights of stairs. Yeah, and, and the axe is coated in blood as... He, he presses it to Murphy's throat. Yeah. You can see that... When he pulls her into the door. Yeah. So we see uh, Detective Sweeney sort of roll down the stairs and collapse, and mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious that he's supposed to be a Connor at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... He leaves behind a wife and 12 children. Yeah. In his mid-30s. <laughs> You're it's just really crazy. you're really harping on the the fact that he's only in the Okay, 30s. so his wife is having like a kid a year, let's say. Mm -hmm. And that's twenty four. That's tricky. A kid a year is not easy. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that's that's that means he's been having a kid every year since he was twenty four. Mm -hmm. At least more likely one every two years since he was twelve. That's my theory. <laughs> uh, or he's just been having like Twins after twins. After oh, that's good. You know, you know, cheaper by the dozen situation. I think they yeah. had they had a couple of twin situations. He had six sets of twins, <laughs> one every year since he was thirty. Oof. Cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> I hope he had good life insurance. That's all I can say. Yeah. Oh my God, I hope so. Really? I mean, that's that's a terrible thing to even think about at this point. Yeah. This episode's sad, folks. Uh, so MacGyver continues to question Zito. Uh, but Zito's starting to lose interest because MacGyver's basically reaching the end of his deductive reasoning. Yeah. He hasn't been able to figure out the final piece of who Zito is after. Even though he knows who arrested Zito now. Right, yeah. Um, I would have pieced that together right away. Yeah, it seems like that should have been the easiest part. It would. I would have figured that out right away, and then it would have taken me two months to figure out the toilet paper thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trial and error of all these different things trying to get it across the cell throwing it oh that actually worked a couple times <laughs> it's just like squirting it like in a squirt bottle yeah. across just open, your mouth. open your mouth open your mouth <laughs> it's got it in my eyes <laughs> uh, witness me <laughs> the only thing that he's able to get from Dr. Zito is that Zito says I think you'll only have until midnight to solve the puzzle right so that's 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 the magic hour. If I were him, I would have said, "You have until midnight tomorrow to solve the puzzle." Yeah, that way he wouldn't have been in such a hurry. Would it? Wait, that still would have been midnight. Would midnight be tomorrow? Oh my god! Boah! <laughs> 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 uh, so, back at the warehouse, we're starting to see Cross set up his elaborate. Not really. Wait, he he just set up one booby trap where he's just opens up a set of propane tanks at the front door with some matchstick triggers. 
And Every then, time I hear the last name Cross, it reminds me of Frank Cross. From yeah, from Scrooge. Scrooge. And the fact that his office has like the word cross as like the definition, mm-hmm. and the definition is a thing they nail people to. <laughs> That's the only definition of a cross. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has like a whole elaborate system of these like hanging plastic containers full of fluid. And we find out that, that they're full, full. First of all, they're full of an accelerant. We don't know it yet. Yeah. But then he puts uh, phosphorus inside, which I guess when submerged is fine. But once they are exposed to oxygen, they ignite. Right. So the the trigger will be to drain these tubes out. And once they're drained, the phosphorus ignites and then the accelerants spread out all over the floor. They sort of look like hanging paper lanterns all around. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. they're firing off sparks. And... So uh, Mac, uh, MacGyver continues his – I have it listed in my notes here as – Hannibal Lecter-style debate with Dr. Zito. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and uh, MacGyver's now putting together the Viking stuff, the the sacrificial rites. And he looks through a piece of artwork. And the piece of artwork pretty much shows you everything. Yeah. It shows Zito as, like, Odin. And it shows Murphy with a police shield being sacrificed. And it shows Cross, like, ascending. It's like, that's everything you need right there. Yeah, yeah. Like, Work this out, MacGyver. Come on. And then he's like, wait a minute. The sacrifice here is wearing a chieftain's helmet. (laughs) And and, a shield. shield. I wonder who this... Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Uh, So MacGyver realized what's going on, finally. Um, Cross, at this point, has, like, taken a whole bunch of sleeping pills. So he's going to be out for the count once once this stuff starts happening. Yeah. And... Uh, MacGyver has like alerted everybody and asks where Murphy is presently. And Cooper tells him that she's at this warehouse and says, yeah. all right, meet me there, bring the fire department. They're going to, it's going to be, there's going to be a fire and they're going to be, they're going to need help. Uh, and as Mac gets there, you can already hear like the gas hissing, but I think those tanks would have been emptied by then. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on how pressurized they were. Right? Yeah. Um, but here's gas hissing. And at first I thought it was just a really dirty window Yeah. on the door, but I guess it might've been how they got the effect. Yeah. Um, it's actually frosted glass. And so MacGyver trying to see, can't see through the frosted window. So he applies like a layer of oil, which fills in the pores of the glass and then allows him to see through it, which then he can see the propane tanks. I've seen that trick done with scotch tape on frosted glass. Yeah. Where you just you, you, the, you rub the tape and it actually adheres to the pores and fills it in and then you can see through hmm. the interesting. So, so people, if you know, if you're looking to, to sneak a if peek you at somebody, spy on people through frosted glass. Yeah, all you need is a piece of scotch of oil tape or scotch tape. It's all you need. And uh, then so, he notices in the crack of the door that there's six match heads. Mm-hmm. So he saw the propane tank inside. He knows the room is full of gas. He might even be able to smell it at this point. Yeah, I don't exactly. Think the door is airtight, and he can see the matches there. And so uh, he finds a drink that's on the ground, just like a soda from a fast mm-hmm. food place. And he caps the, the straw with his finger so that he can use it as like a dropper to put soda on the match heads to just get Just them. to douse them, yeah. Yeah, so they wouldn't be able to just, just strike anywhere. And meanwhile, these cops are like itching and busting the door, mm-hmm. but he's explaining to them why they can't do that right now. Because it's going to blow up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess this is, the propane is like scented. It's like the, it's like the safety propane that has like an odor to it because okay. when he opens the door, they're all like, oh, like yeah, they they can smell it right away. Right, right, right. I mean, also like I mean, yeah, because otherwise you just would start coughing. Right. Yeah, like you, you just would, you would inhale to, yeah. and you would realize your your body would immediately reject it. Yeah. But um, he opens the door and they're like, let it clear out for a second. Yeah, and, you know he he shuts off the tanks too. Yeah. Um and. Uh, they get up and then they find the body of Sweeney, who I, I think I said this time around when we watched it was, well, if he wasn't dead from the axe wound, he certainly, certainly would have been asphyxiated from at this point. Propane. Yeah. So he's definitely dead for sure. He's double dead. Yeah. And then MacGyver just kicks him down the rest of the stairs. So <laughs> he would have been triple dead. No, that doesn't happen. Uh, but they get up there and there's, there's the large security door. And MacGyver notices, though, that there are four weak points on the door. Right. Perfect opportunity. Conveniently, there are four weak points. So what should we do in this room full of propane? Set up our explosives. Yep. 
I'm sure that gas is cleared out by now. There's no way there's even a trace of it left. None. So he plugs in all of his things and. And yeah, but and they're, they're all like they're all convinced. This doesn't work, MacGyver. It's like I fixed it. But it also would not work because of the way the door is barricaded. Yeah, I'm not because unless it broke the hinges, the the bolts that are holding, it wouldn't have cut through the bars. Yeah, because it, it's it's the, the implication can only be that the explosion literally blasted the screws out of the other side of the wall right. that were holding the barricade in place. Right, right. Because there there are two big huge metal pieces cross beams. cross beams and so if he was able to drop the supports for the cross beams the beams would fall to the floor right uh but also this room is already on fire now and opening this door is going to introduce not only propane <laughs> but a lot of heat a lot of new oxygen yeah. into this room um you would have think it would have just immediately flared up yeah it uh, should have been a backdrop situation can you check that door for heat uh sorry it's the only part i like i remember from the trailer yeah, uh, but I the always, fire department. Yeah. Every time I think of backdraft, the first thing I think of is the guy who went to the door, and then the second he opened the door, the house exploded. Right, and he got right. Launched into his own windshield back at yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the sound design of that movie. That kind of like, yeah, like the, the of the air rushing There's in. There's cool fire photography in that movie for sure. They don't have the ride at Universal anymore, right? Um, the experience that is. The they same. might. I don't remember. Mm. No, you know what? I think they got rid of it when they put in the Fast and the Furious one. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they break in, and luckily the fire department's there. To you know, they start suppressing the fire. Uh, MacGyver cuts uh, Murphy loose. Yeah. And the uh, the rest of the other team, Cooper and uh, Wyatt, I think it is, they grab Cross, who's like sleeping in a. It's, it's he's like in a boat too. Yeah. He is already committed to this Viking. I don't know why they couldn't just be like, well, he's definitely dead. Let's get out of here before yeah. the whole place burns down. Um, yeah, so they, they take him out. Uh, they, I mean, they don't take him out. They take him out of the room. Yeah, and shoot him. No, they don't. Uh, and uh, Murphy was just like, oh, you're just in time. And MacGyver teases her and says, no, we had 32 seconds to spare. I know because we use my terrible invention. Terrible invention. Yeah. Uh, it wastes exactly thirty-two seconds. <laughs> the thirty-two second timer essentially. Yeah. Um, and then here's the weird moment: is that we're back at the jail cell where Zito is, and Cross is put back in, in the, the cell. cell across from him again. It's like he's facing new charges. He would be in another holding facility until his court date. Yeah. Because um, he did murder a new person, and he attempted to murder another person. And why is Zito not being brought up on charges? Yeah. Like, well, it's kind of like Manson, you know, like if you convince people to kill, it's not the same as killing them. I guess. But Manson eventually got charged for the few murders that he allegedly did commit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the last moment is MacGyver paying a visit to Zito and Zito kind of like applauding his defeat, but asks about Murphy, like, because he knows he still has a hold on Murphy, at least. Like, uh, a psychological hold. Yeah. But then Murphy comes in and, and shows her face to him and how she's able to face him uh, as well. And so, now Zito has, literally has nothing now. Yeah. That was, like, the only thing that gave him pleasure was the fact that he had this hold over this woman who, who yeah. took him. Um, but now he's got nothing. Yeah. All the more reason for him to do a new plan. Yep. Ah, oh, so excited! Takes the whole city by storm. This is I. I it's like a great said, setup origin uh, story for the yeah. Zito character. This episode, I I scared a child with my excited scream when when uh, <laughs> when Sweeney. Detective Sweeney gets his his axe in the chest. Yeah, I was watching it. I was not expecting it, and I went ah! Oh! And your child, your son, just like was not ready it for immediately me. Immediately started crying. <laughs> Which uh, is, it's like when the first time we saw Optimus Prime riding on a T-Rex mm -hmm. in that Super Bowl trailer. Yeah, we scared And we freaked Abby. out and my daughter just started crying immediately. Oh man, it was why terrible. why yelled at the same time. Uh, you expect on Super Bowl Sunday to scare a child by yelling at a football game, not mm -hmm. at the Transformers 4 trailer <laughs> in the middle of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I disagree with people if they say that this episode's not one of the better episodes. It was, like I said... It might be on my top five now. It, it's close to my top two or three. Really? Okay, I still that put, high. I still put Flame's End at the top. Yeah. 
But I think this is this might be second or third somewhere up there. It's such a different show. It's just a different feel. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. I wish that the show would change it up a little bit more often like that. Yeah. Um, for example, next week's is a fun episode, but it's very formulaic and feels mm-hmm. like an episode we may have already seen. Yeah. Even though there's new stuff to it and things like that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah. But yeah, this episode, good stuff. Uh, I excitedly await Zito's return. Yeah. I don't know how far away that is. I think it's a ways, but... It's definitely uh, not this season. Right, right, right. Well, well, they give you enough time to forget about him. Yeah. Just to bring him back. Because there's no way he's coming back. Mm-hmm. And, but I think um, I think Zimmer might actually come back before then, uh, the Murphy character. Yes. I, I think I think she has three episodes credited. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit facebook.com slash phoenix foundation podcast or our website phoenix foundation podcast.com and uh if you're digging the show feel free to review us on itunes tune in next week we're going to be covering season four episode eight ma dalton Mm -hmm. yeah so we get jack back always good to have jack and there's a a couple other sort of recycled pieces in there we Mm. also introduced the first member of the coltons family yeah yeah which uh will play a larger part as we move forward in the series so that's uh that's definitely something to look forward to and thank you for listening thank you